Hey, this is Dan, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast where I talk legal stuff with lawyers that I know, like, and trust. I hope you find the information really useful, and if you need legal help, that you reach out to one of these lawyers directly or drop by lawbydan.com, and I can steer you in the right direction. Here is your podcast. Sexual assault in New South Wales has recently undergone a series of changes, particularly with respect to the definition of consent. In today's podcast, to discuss these legislative updates, I'm with Lara Mignon, Senior Associate from Coots. Lara, at the outset, what are these legislative updates? Yeah, so on the 1st of June this year, the Crimes Legislation Amendment uh, Sexual Consent Reforms Act came into effect, and this changed the definition of consent in the Crimes Act. So the change reflects a move to requiring a positive affirmation of consent rather than a presumption. The objective of the reform is to recognise that every person has a right to choose whether or not to participate in sexual activity that consent to sexual activity is not to be presumed and consensual sexual activity involves ongoing and mutual communication, decision-making and free and voluntary agreement between the persons participating in the sexual activity. So the reforms have turned consent into a positive affirmation of consent rather than a presumption by lack of action that a person consents. So there's now a requirement for a participant in sexual activity to ensure that where they hold a belief that a person consents but does not have knowledge of consent, that they take positive steps to ascertain that that person consents and the court will actually take into account whether they have said or done anything to find out whether the other person consents to the sexual activity. So the laws have also been strengthened to ensure that consent can be withdrawn and to provide that if a person consents to one sexual activity, it does not mean they consent to other acts. The example actually provided in the legislation is where one party consents to a sexual to sexual intercourse with a condom is not by reason only of that fact to be taken to consent to a sexual activity without a condom, for example. The reform also provides for additional directions to be given to juries in sexual assault trials. So these directions are designed to debunk some of the common myths associated with sexual assault, including that there's no typical or normal response to non-consensual activity, and people may respond to non-consensual sexual activity in different ways, including by freezing and not saying or doing anything. And the jury must avoid making assessments based on preconceived ideas about how people respond to non-consensual sexual activity. Another direction um, that is to be provided to the jury debunks the myth that there must be some sort of violence associated with sexual assault. People who do not consent to a sexual activity may not be physically injured or subjected to any violence or threatened with physical injury or violence. And the absence of injury or violence or threats of that um, does not necessarily mean that a person is not telling the truth about an alleged sexual offence. There's also a direction around responses to giving evidence um, in that trauma may affect people differently. Uh, it means that some people show obvious signs of emotional distress when giving evidence in court, but others may not. And the presence or absence of emotion or distress does not necessarily mean that a person is not telling the truth about an alleged sexual offence. Further to that, it should not be assumed that a person consented to a sexual activity because that person wore particular clothing or had a particular appearance or consumed alcohol or another drug or was present in a particular location. 
think we've all colloquially heard these factors being used as what laymen would consider evidence about whether a sexual assault occurred or not. And the legislation now attempts to change the societal attitude and debunk those myths, particularly for jurors. This is a, a huge change and a real step forward for victims of sexual assault. Lara, that phrase affirmative consent is is obviously intrinsic to the to the new legislation. Let's unpack that. What does it actually mean? Yeah, so it's a little bit complicated, but not at the same time. So consent to a sexual activity mustn't be presumed. And consensual sexual activity involves ongoing and mutual communication, decision-making and free and voluntary agreement. So each participant must do or say something that amounts to consent. It must also be present every time. There's a misguided belief that if you're in a consensual relationship, this must mean that there is consent to sexual intercourse at all times. The legislation now states that a person who consents to a sexual activity with a person on one occasion is not, by a reason only of that fact, to be taken to consent to a sexual activity with that person on another occasion. Um, to strengthen this, the reform has added a direction to juries to specify that non-consensual sexual activity can occur in many different circumstances and between different kinds of people, including people who know one another, people who are married to one another, or people who are in an established relationship with one another. In fact, it's far more common to be a victim of sexual assault at the hands of someone you know rather than a complete stranger. There's also now a an non-exhaustive, but at least nonetheless, of circumstances where a person does not consent. Um, We won't go through all of them right now, but the important ones to note are where the person does not say or do anything to communicate consent, or the person is so affected by alcohol or another drug as to be incapable of consenting, or the person is unconscious or asleep, or the person participates in sexual activity because of force, a fear of force, or fear of serious harm to them, another person, and animal or even property, regardless of when that when that force or conduct giving rise to the fear occurs or whether it occurs as a single instance or part of an ongoing pattern. So this is particularly powerful for those in a relationship where domestic violence is present. What are the key elements of consent laws in New South Wales as they currently stand in light of this new legislation? So in criminal proceedings for sexual offences, the prosecution would have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the complainant did not consent to the sexual activity and that the accused person knew that there was no consent. Um, An accused person is taken to know there was no consent if they had actual knowledge that there was no consent or they were reckless as to the issue of consent or if they had a belief that that belief was not reasonable in the circumstances. And the belief would not be considered reasonable if the accused person did not, within a reasonable time frame before or at the time, say or do anything to find out whether that person actually consents to this sexual activity. What about you know the actual age of consent in in Australia? I know that's uh, you know something that is uh, often misinterpreted uh, depending which state you're in. What what is the age in New South Wales? Yeah, so um, the legal age of consent in New South Wales is 16. So before the age of 16, any sexual activity is considered a criminal offence. So, for example, uh, a person who has sexual intercourse with a child who is or above the age of 14 years but under 16 is liable to imprisonment for 10 years. So it's actually quite a serious criminal offence. This definition of consent, Lara, is very wide-reaching and not only, of course, does it apply to what we deem to be a sexual act, 
but it can apply in other things like uh, kissing. Is that the case? Uh, the short answer to that is yes. Um, kissing is included in the leg- in the legislation as a sexual activity. So it's therefore covered by these new consent laws. So that means you need knowledge of consent. Um, and again, when you only hold a belief of consent, you need to say or do something to check that consent. So the New South Wales Make No Doubt campaign recommends that you ask for, cons- for ask with consent directly and provides examples of saying things such as, is this okay? Can I kiss you? Do you want me to keep going? Just to make sure that you- there is actually consent to that activity. Lara, I suppose the other really key thing about this legislative update is the fact that uh, consent uh, is something that um, you know may well need to be given uh, on a number of occasions in the course of uh, a number of you know connected uh, sexual acts. Yes, uh, the legislation specifically states that a person who consents to a sexual activity with a person on one occasion. Um, is not necessarily taken to be consenting to another sexual activity on another occasion um, or even another person on that same occasion. So a person who consents to a particular sexual activity um, is not to be taken to consent to another sexual activity. So where it moves from kissing into sexual intercourse, for example, the consent to kissing does not necessarily translate to the sexual intercourse. So that means it's really important to ascertain consent at all times. And as I said earlier, just because you are in a consensual relationship uh, and there was consent provided on, on one particular occasion, that consent does not then transfer throughout the rest of the relationship. And it's also important to note that consent can be withdrawn at any time. So where one party has consented to a certain activity and then changes their mind, they are able to withdraw that consent and the other person must stop immediately. What about uh, if you know these matters end up in in court? How is consent actually proven? So this is the tricky one. Um, in criminal law, the burden is actually on the prosecution to prove all of the elements of the offence beyond reasonable doubt. So the prosecution would need to prove that the accused person had knowledge of a lack of consent, or they were reckless as to whether the person consented, or if they had a belief that there was consent, they didn't do or say anything to be able to confirm that consent. So the defence would only need to introduce some evidence that casts a shadow of doubt um, on whether there was a lack of consent. So there is one circumstance, though, where the burden of proof switches to the accused person, and that is where the accused person had, at the time of the sexual activity, a cognitive impairment or a mental health impairment. And that impairment was the substantial cause of the accused not saying or doing anything. So where that is raised, the burden then falls onto the defence in order to prove that, but on the balance of probabilities, which is a much lower burden. So really, it's not a fact that consent needs to be proven. It's more that there is a lack of consent that needs to be proven by the prosecution. What defences are available to someone that is charged with sexual assault? So, as I said earlier, the the best defence to a sexual assault charge is that there was consent. The defence would need to introduce evidence that the complainant consented to the sexual activity. Alternatively, provided that the accused person took positive steps to affirm consent, it would be a defence that the accused person held a reasonable belief in relation to consent. 
So in assessing this, the court or the jury must consider all the circumstances of the case, including what, if anything, the accused person said or did and must not consider any self-induced intoxication of the accused person. So it really does turn on um, taking those positive steps to affirm consent. Um, but depending on the circumstance of the case, there may even be a defence that the sexual activity did not even occur. So it really is important to seek independent legal advice tailored to the specific circumstances at the earliest available opportunity to ensure that any defences available um, can be used. So, Lara, if anyone has got any questions uh, about you know these new consent laws in New South Wales or if they've been charged with uh, a sexual assault, they can reach out to you. Absolutely, yes. You can jump onto our website. There's some great resources um, in relation to these changes. We've written a few blogs on these changes in the lead up to it happening and now since it has occurred. You can also book an appointment with me and we can discuss the circumstances of your individual case and I can tailor some legal advice specifically to your needs. Um, And that can be booked on the website or you can call us on 1300 Coots. Lara, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find me on all social channels, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube with the handle Law by Dan or simply drop by lawbydan.com. Thanks.